So thank you uh, so much for coming. Uh, those of you, it's your first time to be with us. I am going to be uh, speaking. This is a standalone message. Uh, looking for next week, we've got a guest speaker. And um, after that, we are going to be launching a new short series. We are going to be looking at uh, stewardship, work and wealth, and uh, work and giving. So that's what we'll be doing for four weeks. Um, then uh, after that, there is another series that we are going to be, we are busy working on. So this morning, I'd love to talk about the necessity of prayer. And um, as we were worshiping, I just realized something was coming. I went to the back. I was just thinking that uh, there are people in this country who prayed prayers. We don't know them. Maybe I was not even here. They had longed to see this. They had longed to see a community in this country where people from different backgrounds, different tribes, and different, they wanted that to be here in this city, in Cape Town. We are not the only one, other places. That is just the power of prayer, how God can answer prayers. Sometimes you don't live to see, but God is always behind these promises to fulfill, and God do answer our prayers. So I got just reminded that even as I'm speaking about the necessity of prayer, that are things that we can pray for in this community. We might not maybe live to see if Jesus doesn't return. But there will be a generation that will benefit from, from, from our prayers, and that is okay. Some of us, we are standing here, we are the fruits of people who prayed before we are even born. The fruits of maybe the parents who stood one day and said, God, I really want this child to save you. Some of you, maybe your parents are not here to witness that, but God has answered their prayers. You've come to know Christ. And that is a great news. So, prayer is essential to a healthy and vibrant spiritual life because it is our only means of communing with the Lord. It's, it's our only means that we get to spend, you know. You know, there, there is time to read the Word. There is time to worship God. I remember uh, years back I used to work at the blue, uh, breweries. Yes, at the breweries where they make beer, not drinks. And uh, there was, all the time I would stand on top, then I look at the production, and there was a long chain of production. And every, some spaces on, on, on that chain, there were just, there had, small gaps, but if you, in, you actually interfere with any of those sections or stations, then the oil production will stop. So 
I want us to see prayer in that way, that it is in that chain of worshiping God, and it is not just okay to worship God with songs. It is not just okay to read God's word. It is necessary and important to spend time in prayer before the Lord. So, nobody has ever had as a very close relationship with the Father as Jesus had during his ministry here. His prayer life, if we read this, the Bible, was so powerful that his disciples eventually came to him and asked, Lord, teachers, to pray. They looked at Jesus, they looked at the disciples of John the Baptist. They saw that prayer was important, was necessary to Jesus, and they saw it also with John the Baptist's disciples, and they said, Please teach us to pray. So I'm inviting you to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 11, because it is where we found the question of. Jesus is one of his disciples asking him a question, teach us to pray. And I've invited uh, Senator Mba to please read for us verse 1 to 13. Um. So I'll be reading from the book of Luke, chapter 11, verse 1 to 13. Uh, Jesus' teaching on prayer. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John has taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we have also forgiven everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open for you. For everyone who seeks finds. Sorry, for everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. For which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give them a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, you will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? 
Thank you. Uh, this is the Lord's word, and um, some of you might uh, hear the words. Thank you. Sunetemba was reading from NIV, and that is ESV. So, and some of you might have ESV, NIV, or um, is um, actually bringing. I'm going to referencing at least uh, four or five different versions of that. So, my aim this morning is not to. Uh, to go explain the Lord's Prayer. It's not to explain line by line of the Lord's Prayer. This morning I would love to focus on the instruction that Jesus gives after teaching them how to pray. Because that's where we'll uh, get some stuff just to help us in terms of, um, you know, the necessity of prayer, which I already explained, that is one of the means that we get to connect with God. But let me ask you this question. How many of you, in the last 48 hours, prayed the Lord's Prayer? In the last 48 hours, you prayed the Lord's Prayer. I'm asking Christ followers. Now those of you are not Christ followers. Okay, I'm going to increase the days. How many of you in the last two weeks, you really prayed the Lord's Prayer? The one that Jesus left us, he taught us. Okay, there are two people, there is one there, there is another one. This is the prayer of the Lord's. But it, so you can see already that it is very important to talk about the necessity of prayer because Christ followers, they don't pray. Uh, all right, that, that was a little bit too hard. I take my weight back. All right, I'm going to increase. Maybe some of you are here, you did pray in the last four weeks. How many of you in the last four weeks, you really prayed the Lord's Prayer? This is, it's called the Lord's Prayer. In other version, it says Jesus teaching about prayer. So it is actually, this is not John the Baptist. This is not Paul teaching about prayer. This is the Lord Jesus himself teaching his disciples to pray. All right, so I can see four weeks, no one did. But let me maybe change the way of asking the question. How many of you, at least in the last 48 hours, you went before God in prayer? All right. <laughs> so it's actually the whole church. I think we need to encourage ourselves. It's, uh, it's the entire community. So you have actually made my message, you've made my life so easy. You see why I said there is no need for me to spend so much time explaining the Lord's Prayer because the Lord's Prayer, it is the model that Jesus wanted, but there are two elements in that prayer that are important for us to note. I'll mention them. So the prayers you pray, I think they should carry those elements. The first element is those prayers are to God the Father. That's how the Lord's Prayer starts. So the Lord's Prayer, it was not taught so that we can have it as a liturgy than to say we have to repeat it like you are eating the same meal all the time. No, there are elements in it that we have to implement as principles in our prayers. So our prayers should be directed to God. I believe that when you pray the last 48 hours, that's what you did. To the Father who is in heaven, the only one who is holy, and he is the true God, and he is sovereign. Yes. 
So the Lord's Prayer carried that aspect. And then it carried aspects of us, human. Because there is an aspect there of the needs. Let me say it in another way. The Lord's Prayer carries the aspects of tangible things and intangible things. God, I don't see you, have never seen you, but I can trust you. You are holy. You are all-powerful. So the Lord's, the prayers are to the Lord. Is the only way. We don't pray to any other gods. When we pray to the Lord and God wants to answer or answer our prayers, he can use different means, and that includes people. But we don't pray to people, but we pray to him, to the Father, in Jesus' name. So that's why I said you made my life so easy. I'm not going to explain further into that. I want us to look at the, from verse 8 to verse 11. Because that's where Jesus is starting to give the instruction in, from verse 5, but I, it is in verse 8 where we start to see those instructions. Some of you might ask the question about Jesus. You know, Jesus is the Lord, is the Messiah, because there is a mention of him there, because the question is asked to him, if we go a few verses before verse 8. Then there is a mention of John. By the way, I have to mention, this is not John, the Apostle John. This is John the Baptist, the far cousin of Jesus Christ, the son of Zechariah and Elizabeth. This is John the prophet, the one who preached, you know, the message of repentance in the lower Jordan River, preparing the way for Jesus. This is the John that they are referring to here. So his disciples are the ones they saw praying. Therefore, they go, one of Jesus' disciples, he said, teach us how to pray like his disciples. And this Jesus referred to here is the one spoken about in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It's not on the slides. And the father referred to here is the first person in the Trinity. Can you see why I read Isaiah 9 and 6? Because Jesus is referred to as the mighty God. Everlasting father. <laughs> there is also mention of the Holy Spirit who is the third person of the Trinity. But you may ask the question, where is the way Trinity here? So Trinity is the, doc the doctrine of Trinity emerged because it was the best explanation of the whole scope of the biblical witness to the identity of God. The Bible teaches that there is only one God. That's what we find in the scriptures. In the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So when Jesus said, when you pray, you, you say, our Father, you know, is, is, I want us not to be confused. That's why I want just to lay this foundation. The Father, Son, and the Spirit are persons who interact with 
one another and with us in distinct ways because each person of the Trinity is fully God and share the same purpose and activity. But the ways they think and act are distinct, distinctive to each, to each of, the, of, those, uh, of their personality. The Bible also affirms that the Father is God, the Son is God, the Spirit is God. Each of them do things only God can do and receive the worship due to God alone. So that we pack, we know that there is only one God. Now let's go to verse 8. Jesus starts to tell the story, give the metaphor of a friend who receives a guest and now he doesn't have enough bread. Let's call it bread, loves to really feed the guest. And now he thought about a friend who can have enough. So he said, I'm going to go to my friend and I'm going to ask my friend to help me so that I can feed my guest. And when he got there, the, the, the house is closed. It's very late. So there is, the option is, you know, I, I don't want to disturb my friend. Let me just turn back. Why is Jesus connecting this particular metaphor, connecting it to prayer, and not saying, I've taught you how to pray, then it's enough. You can just go and do it on your own. But Jesus saw the importance of explaining and bringing in this metaphor, explaining to say, here he is something that you should know and something that you should apply or practice when it comes to prayer. So you get to the friend's home at night. Everything is door is closed. The lights are off. Do you knock or do you turn back? Jesus said in verse 8, but let me tell you, so if he knocks, etc., and all that, the friend who said, no, I'm sleeping, I'm in bed, then he says, but let me tell you, I'm reading from the message. Even if he won't get up because he is a friend, if you stand your ground, that's what the message says. But in ESV, it's the way there, it's uh, impudence. Am I, did I say it right? And in NIV, the word used there is audacity. In the message, it says, if you stand your ground, knocking and walking all the neighbors, he will finally get up and get you whatever you need. So, in other words, Jesus is saying, I want you to annoy your father. That's easy, because in the message, verses 9 actually explains verse 8. You know, when I, when I did my studies and read all the verses 9 in the message explains verses 8. It says, here's what I'm saying. That's how it says in the message Bible. Ask and you will get. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will open. In NLT version, it says, if you keep knocking long enough. Now, let me ask you a question. Did you, how many times do you knock? Mm. 
Now, but I've also to mention, it's very important that we may confuse this metaphor by thinking of a physical knocking because people have got the aspect of prayer so wrong, so wrong that if they stay too long, that's when the prayer will be answered. If they don't, if they pray only 20 minutes or one minute or 15 minutes, therefore it might not be answered. The core here, it is not on a one-time event in terms of how long. The core here is perseverance. The core here is persistent. The core here is not like, I am going to do it today on Monday, and I'll pray today for eight hours, then I'll pray again after three months for eight hours. I've got no problem with people who put those programs about prayer. So we put a chunk of time to say we'll pray for 20 days and first we pray. Then after that, we start to look forward to enjoy. Then we are waiting for other 20 days, which will come at the end of the year. No, no. This echo here is a continuation. It's persistent in prayer. Whether you are doing it 5, 10, 20 minutes, but you have to continue That's the core here. I've had someone told me in the past one time and said, you know what, Pastor? You know when we were back home, you remember those old days, we were praying a lot. But since we come here, we are no longer praying a lot. And even approached me to say, you know, accuse me of in, in this community why we don't pray a lot. Then I said, I don't understand. Maybe you give me the theology of what it means to pray a lot. Yeah, someone said speaking in tongues. I can actually do it. So, what Jesus is saying here, the metaphor, the picture, is he you know what? When you go before your father, don't get tired. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Keep asking. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He continues to affirm that because of that act, you have therefore to also believe that whoever seeks will find. Whoever asks will receive. And whoever knocks the door will be open for that person. But it's not a one-day thing that you do, then you go, you forget, you start to live your life the way you want, then you come back again tomorrow and say, okay, God, you know, you know, I've been blessed, but that blessing is now finished. Now I'm back to you. Can you try again do it? God is not a tap. God is not an ATM where you can go with a card you just put and what, when there is nothing there, then you, you go, and when the money is there, then you can go regularly to the ATM. No, that's not the way it works with God or the life of prayer. 
I'm going to use the language from the message. Why do I, I was asking myself this question a few days ago. Why do I, Andre, need to stand my ground in prayer? Why? As I said, I asked this question to myself a few days ago. Then I felt led by God to read a quote by C.S. Lewis on prayer. As one of many answers to my question, because I found really my question in the word of God, he said this, I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, walking and sleeping. It doesn't change God, it changes me. Prayer is like a tablet, a drug for our spiritual health. We don't just pray when we are desperate, but we go to God even when we have to pray some prayers of thanksgiving. So we should know, I am not talking about there's about the types of prayers, because the types of prayers, there are so many types of prayers. There are petition and, and the intercession prayers. There are prayers of thanksgiving, supplications, spiritual warfare. All those prayers. The problem is not a type of a prayer. The problem is our consistency in prayer. Prayer is necessary for your life. Consider it as driving a vehicle that is giving you a sign, an orange sign, but yet you still have 50 Ks to get where you're going. Get, put petrol in. Check your oil. How are you doing in terms of your prayer life? Check your oil. Friends, everything that we've put on that flyer as a vision for this community, there is no way that if we don't bring those plans before the Lord on our knees, there is no way that we will get, you know, no matter how much strategy we come, we come up with. Because let me tell you something. There are projects whereby money has been thrown into projects, but it's can get to the point where it doesn't work because we fail to trust God in prayer to be on our knees because going in prayer consistently before the Lord, it is a sign of surrendering and a sign of dependence before the one who is the mighty God, the creator of the universe and the earth, the one who knows the details of your life and my life. If I don't stand my ground or persevere in prayer, it will be failing to believe in the sovereignty of God and his ability to answer my prayers. If I don't, if it's not spending time to say thank God for the gift of life, I will be there and say, God, thank you for the meal. At least there are people, thousands of people who don't have the meal, but I thank you. I thank you for good health. I thank you for the lives of my kids. 
I thank you for a flourishing marriage. I thank you. you there's so many things we can be grateful for. We don't only God, go before God because God, I want you to give me, I want you to give me, I want you to give me. But why do we fail to stand our ground? Sometimes we fail because we've got a small view of God. The reason we, we don't pray at times because we don't really even, every way that comes out of our mouth, we are saying it, but we don't actually own it. We are not too sure. Maybe we don't know who we are saying it to. Who is that person we are really talking? Sometimes it's easy to go to another person and say, you know what? I really am so desperate because you can see the person. But living by faith is when you know that you believe in a God you've never seen, but you say, this God exists. I know he is there. He has transformed my life. He's, you, he, he took me from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. I know he lives and I know he's alive. I can trust him. I can surrender my life to him. Amen. I can trust him with all these projects. You can stand before God. And when you are saying those words, you are saying it from a place of knowing that he lives. He's alive. He's in charge. He's in control. I remember when I was in high school, I was so, I got saved. I was 16 years old. I was so crazy because I just discovered this and um, I just wanted to share it with people. I even got in trouble at school. They chased me because my friend and I, we started a we used to call it scripture union group. I was crazy. I wanted to pray with all the, my friends at school. I wanted to share with them. Then it didn't stop there. Then I was walking in the community and I was just going and praying. I remember one lady. I used to pass a lot. I, I would find her sitting down and she would cover her legs because w little did I know that one of her, her legs was going to, it had, she had a bad cancer. And she was waiting for the appointment so that uh, they can go, uh, uh, the, the correct way is not to cut. Yes. How did you say it again? Ampurate. English is so, I need, I need so much energy to say that word. Okay. I will just pass. I will just speak, share the word with her. And I'm saying this because it's not of my doing. And I'll just pray. I pray, I pass in uniform. I pray, I pass. I pray. One day I went, she was not there. I asked the sisters, they said, no, she went to work. After many, many, many months of just that, she was waiting for the appointment. The next thing, did, we were, it was a new compound, a new area. The next thing, that day in the evening, someone knocks at the gate, at our gate. She comes in screaming and crying. I went for the scan. Everything is gone. Listen, this is not like, this was not a once-off moment. There are so many, many other stories, and I believe you have stories of people being ill, etc., testimonies, but it was a commitment 
to trusting God and to passing without even knowing. We cannot plan for these things. We can only trust the Lord and we can only go before him and we can only surrender to him and we can only say only you can do it. So prayer is not a once-off thing. Prayer, it is a journey. It should be part of our lives. Sometimes the reason, the reason we fail to stand the ground is if we are believers, we forget that we've got a helper. There is the Holy Spirit. Listen, Jesus said in verse 13, he said, you people, parents, fathers, you who are evil, but you know how to give the good gift to your children. If your child asks you for fish and chips, that's what Jesus said, it's not me. I've just added a, a, a chips. <laughs> but he, he said about a fish, but we are living in a context where you can't just have a fish, it's a fish and chips. So that's why I said a chips. So, will you give your child a living snake? He said, no, you can't do that. But you are evil. He said, you guys are evil, but you are so good at giving nice gifts to your kids. He said, when he, your child asks for, for an egg, will you go and get a scorpion, a living scorpion? Come, get here's the egg. No. He said, but he, your father is there. If you ask him, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus is speaking to these guys when he was here. And Jesus, when he left, he said, I am not going to leave you as orphans. I am going to send you the Holy Spirit. I'll send you an helper, someone who will help you. Now, sometimes we forget, Christ followers, that we have the helper. The Bible refers to the Holy Spirit as a down payment, a guarantee that is given. Now, let me explain a bit. My wife and I, yesterday, we went. We visited a store. We went to check something for our, for our son, Lance. And when we got there, we found the stuff, but we couldn't collect it. I hope you understand. So we went to the count. We did a down payment. As I was standing there, as a preacher, everything comes to mind. I'm watching. My wife, she's in front. I'm standing there. I saw that lady got the stuff. She pulled out a very nice package, a plastic, which has a, like, she removed, it has a seal. She put it, she put the stuff in, she sealed it. She took her name and number, she put there, and she gave us a receipt as a guarantee. Now, as I stood there, I was thinking, no one else will ever get those stuff. They belong to us legally. We'll just come back and finish up the business and get it. Even if they run out of sizes and someone come there and said, I'm going to offer more money to take it, they said, no, it belongs to them. Jesus already paid the full price for your life and for my life, and he's given us the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. He's given us the Holy Spirit as the guarantee, the down payment. Therefore, we can live confident without fear, even if we face any kind of problem. There is no way we can fear because we belong to him. We've got a stamp on our hearts. It's written that we are 
taken by Christ. We can fail to stand the ground if we lose the aspect of what Christ has done for us. And the evidence is that Jesus died on the cross because of our life, because of you and because of me. Romans chapter 8, 23, it says, our future hope, it says this, and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly while we wait for the adoption and the redemption of our bodies. So this body is going to suffer. While we are waiting for the redemption of our bodies, it's going to suffer. The packet that we left in that store, I don't know how, where they are throwing it. Sometimes they will throw it somewhere, hide it, and when we go back, they are going to, you know, Jesus prayed the prayer in John chapter 17. He's praying for the disciples and even praying for us. He said, they are not of this world. I am not asking that you take them away, but I'm praying that you protect them. Jesus is going to come back so that he can wrap up history and so that we can live with him forever. He's going to take us. But for now, we've got to guarantee the Holy Spirit as a down payment to help us in time of needs when we are going through difficulties. Do you have a suffering, a struggling relationship, a marriage that is threatened? Do you have a relationship that is threatened? Do you have uh, difficulties in your workplace? Are you really struggling to believe that God is capable, is able? Do you have a health problem that you want really to trust God for? Do you have all these things? This body can go through all those kind of things. I think the great hope is that one day it's going to finish. But for now, we can go before the Father. We can knock, we can seek, we can ask him through the help of the Holy Spirit. John 10, 29. Believe me, there is hope. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. We are very safe in Jesus. We are safe in Christ. Proverbs 16.3 gives us the wisdom. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. Friends, as a church, I want to ask us, if you're a member of this community, let's commit the vision of this community before the Lord in your private prayer. The beauty with prayer is that you don't have to make noise, etc. No one can stop you. You can pray from within when you see that at the translation. God, I pray that you ordain the vision of Common Ground Church Weinbeck. We want to see many people come to know you. It is not about us, but we want to see lives transformed. We want to know him, and we want to make him known. If you can continue to cry to God day and night, I believe that God will do it. He will do it. Because we exist because there was a small group of 40 people 25 years ago, they stood and they prayed the prayers. They said, God, we want to see many lives come to know you. Here we are, we exist as nine congregations in the city of Cape Town. And the story is not finished. God will continue to advance his kingdom and God can use you and God can use me. Can I ask you to please prioritize prayer Amen. and to pray for this community? Do not just pray for your own needs. You have to pray that, God, I want to see souls saved. This is not about us. My family and I, one day, will never be here. We might not see the fruits of what God will do with this community. That's okay. But our cry is to see 
God bringing people together the way we sit here, but we are not enough. There are so many people in this area of Wambeck who are needing the gospel. Don't wait for us. Go on your knees and ask God. Pray. Father, use me. Your secret prayers, let not them be just self-centered of you crying to God only to bless you. Say, God, I want you to bless your church. You are building your church. We want to see young people come to know you. We want to see people believing this good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus' promise and his words in the Lord's Prayer to say that whoever asks will receive, whoever seeks will find, whoever knocks the door will be open. We can stand confidently in the Holy Spirit. We can say, if I ask, I will receive. If I seek, I will find. And if I knock, God do open the door for me. That's something I want to leave with us today. For everyone who asks, in verse 10, we are told, receives, and the one who seeks fun, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. It's incredible. I'd love to invite us to stand. I'd love to pray. If you will forget all that I've said, remember this one thing. Prayer is not an 100K marathon where you want to do a lot of it at once and finish and get a medal. Now you have to stand your ground. It is a journey. As long as we live in this life, it is important for us to go before the Lord in prayer to invite the band to come up, but I want to give us the opportunity to pray. I want to give us the opportunity to pray. You know, Jesus stood the ground. He stood the ground all the way to the cross. Romans 3.34, it says this, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who, ra- who was raised, who is at the right end of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Here we see Jesus, he continues to intercede for the church. Even after completing the mission of redemption, the gift of salvation, but Jesus continues to understand the importance of prayer, interceding for our lives. If you feel comfortable, can I ask you to please close your eyes. When Jesus went on the cross, as I said earlier on, Jesus did not pay a half price, but he paid a full price, and therefore we've got the Holy Spirit as a down payment to us. We can see evidence that Jesus will come back again. Maybe you are standing here this morning. The reason that you cannot stand your ground, the reason that you are carried by the wind from left to right, it's because you haven't established your roots. You haven't stand and really surrender your life to Jesus. Can I ask you to do that?
As we pray where you are, can you pray and surrender your life to Christ and say, God, I surrender my life to you. Maybe you are a Christ follower. The life of prayer hasn't been something that you've considered necessary or important. Can I ask you to say, God, I want you to freshly help me, Holy Spirit, to really start this journey today. The journey that I'll spend time in your presence. It doesn't matter how long, but it is the condition of your hearts and the focus on him, Jesus, him and him alone. Can you pray and say, Holy Spirit, help me. Pray where you are and say, Holy Spirit, help me. If you are not a Christ follower, won't you say, Lord Jesus, here I am. I cannot do this without you. I surrender my life to you. Be my Lord and Savior. The Lord will accept you. The only thing God would want you to bring to him is yourself, your sin. It is for that reason Jesus went on to the cross. Pray and ask for his forgiveness. He will accept you. He will forgive you.